my favorite quote in the world, which is, they told her, you cannot withstand the storm. She told them, I am the storm. Ooh, love. Who's that? I don't even know. Oh, okay. <laughs> we'll have to, I'll have to see. I love that. Great. I love it so much. Wow. That really goes into control what you can control. I am the storm. There you I go. I am the storm. So if you have that power to be the storm, what are you going to do with it? And look, I was 43 years old when I decided to go back to school and get my doctorate. And I did that while working full-time and raising a family and having elder care from my parents. But doing that research then, all those years ago, led me to the success factor, to the book, and talking to you and talking and talking to anyone who will listen about improving our success if you want to be more successful by your definition. Welcome to the Good Life Coach Podcast. I am your host, Michelle Lamoureux. The intention of this show is to awaken you to your fullest potential. Join me each week for inspiring interviews to elevate an area of your life, as well as interviews with women entrepreneurs who are creating success on their own terms. Each episode provides actionable tips to guide you to design a life you love. Hey there, it's Michelle Lamoureux, and welcome back to the Good Life Coach Podcast. So excited for today's guest, Dr. Ruth Gautien, to be on the show, back on the show. She came on last year to talk about what it means to be a high achiever, and her most recent book, which is coming out this month in January, called The Success Factor, um, covers her research of interviewing the mindset and skill set of peak performers, including Nobel Prize winners astronauts, and Olympic champions. Now, Dr. Gautian is the Chief Learning Officer and Assistant Professor of Education and Anesthesiology and former Assistant Dean of Mentoring and Executive Director of the Mentoring Academy at Weill Cornell Medicine. She is, in fact, an expert in mentorship and leadership development. And congrats, uh, Ruth, because you also have won the Thinker's 50 Distinguished Achievement Radar Award, which is given to a thinker with the potential to change the world of theory and practice. Um, and were you one of 30 people to get this? And worldwide? I was one person who got it. <laughs> there was wait, one. There was wait, because it says you're number one. But so of the 30, you you got it. Two separate things. A year ago, there was the Thinker's 50 Radar list of the yes. top 30 emerging management thinkers. And then there was an achievement award at this year's gala called the Radar. And that was for the top emerging thinker. And congrats. (laughs) Congrats. Um, Well, we were talking before the mics went on. I mean, your hard work has for sure paid off and you are in fact a high achiever. And so your passion, I mean, for Forbes and psychology today, you write about optimizing success. This is like your passion. It's who you are. Um, I'm sure you had a blast interviewing all of these people, astronauts, Olympic champions, right? Nobel laureates. I so did. I so did. Look, I've been obsessed with success for a very, very long time. I think too often we are happy with average, but I think people really aren't happy with being average. I think people want to do more. And I really wanted to tap into those 
unfilled high potentials that really can do amazing things, but sort of needed a game plan. So instead of making up a game plan, I said, let's figure (laughs) out the most successful people in the world. What is it that they did and what can we learn from that? So I interviewed this diverse group of Nobel Prize winners and astronauts and Olympic champions. And once I figured out the four elements that they all had in common, I just reversed engineered that. And I'm an adult educator by training. I literally got a doctorate in success. Amazing. So I can teach it. And that's what I do. And I talk about it all over the world. And um, I write articles about it. And you know, my book, The Success Factor, look, I got it. I got Yay. it here. It just came. Wait, wait. Let's get it into focus. Oh, let's get it the into video. focus. Yes. Oh, there it is. There it is. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> the success factor: developing the mindset and set and skill set for peak. Here you read the subtitle. Oh. Here you can I got read my us. Blurred backgrounds. No one sees the okay. mess. That's okay. This yes. anyway. The success factor: developing the mindset and skill set for peak business performance. So I yes. just reversed engineered it, created a blueprint, and. I will talk about it and write about it to anybody who will listen. I love it. Well, we're thrilled to have you back to talk about it. I mean, it's funny because I used to always ask when I launched my show over three years ago, all the entrepreneurs, I would ask them, what's your definition of success? Because I wanted every woman to hear that that is unique to you. That's right. You get to define that success. And I will ask you, I'm going to save that for the end, like I did before, Mm -hmm. because I will be very curious. But I actually am curious your definition of what is a high achiever? Let's just put that out there. What in fact is a high achiever? So I think that what is a high achiever and what is success? I think those two go hand in hand in that. That was actually the early part of my research. And that's when I realized that success is a moving target and success, the definition changes based on who you ask, Um, where they are in the hierarchy. Are they very junior? Are they very senior? And also there's a difference based on gender and ethnicity. But one of the some of the things that they all had in common was that these are people who create a paradigm shift in our thinking in the way we do things in the way we process things they have changed something they have moved the needle forward and they are often recognized in different ways for their work as being the expert in their work. And I'm not saying you need to win the Nobel Prize or the gold medal or anything like that. In fact, I've interviewed Dr. Tony Fauci. We all know who he is now, but he was very popular long before that. He has never won the Nobel Prize, right? right? I also interviewed um, people like Devin Harris, who is one of the original members of the Jamaican bobsledding team. So if you saw that movie, Cool Runnings, Right. Yeah. They never won an Olympic medal, but what they had to go through to get there. And now because of the groundwork they led, Jamaica also has a women's bobsledding team. Mm. So um, they really created a paradigm shift in the way that we do things. But also as they move up the ranks, they are bringing people up with them. Mm. They understand that no matter what spotlight they are getting, there is enough sunshine for all of us. So they really are bringing up other people. And they do that either by mentoring people one-on-one or developing programs to mentor and train large groups. But no matter what, it's never all about them. It's always about the bigger collective. So that was the definition that I used um, in order to really find these extreme high achievers so that you don't see the reality show 
popular people who might be millionaires, those are not the people I sought out in the book. That was not my definition of success. I love it. And I think, you know, you talked about this is accessible to everyone. I mean, why settle for mediocrity? Who wants an average life if you can have a fantastic life and be making an impact, which is what I'm hearing you say. This is about what you're doing for everyone else as well. This isn't about you. Um, What I was curious about is did you find, because you ask in your book, is success based on nature or nurture? What did you discover? Because people might feel like, (laughs) oh, wait, I don't have it. I didn't, I wasn't born that way. Okay. It's, it's both. And, and um, there are people, you have a natural talent, but having a natural talent and not doing something with it is a waste. There are a lot of people who are very talented that have spent way too much time sitting on the couch and binge watching Netflix when there are other people who use their talent and really work to perfect it and always learn more about it all the time. So using it and then working with it are the two different things. So you can have this natural talent for athletics for science. You have that passion, but then you also have to work it and develop it all the time. That's why the best in the world don't give up. They are still practicing all the time. Kobe Bryant was still doing those layups early in the morning. Absolutely. And it's funny because before we started recording, I said to you, congrats, you've had an amazing year. I know we're into 2022, but you know, your book came out over the course of this last year and you said, yes, the hard work has paid off. And I thought, let's say that on the recording, because (laughs) I think sometimes it's easy to see somebody who's achieved so much and people, you know, sometimes will say, oh, they're lucky or they were at the right place at the right time. Or if so-and-so didn't discover them. No, they don't know the 10 years or whatever it was building to a moment of recognition. And like you said, a lot of people don't even have that necessarily the recognition, but Within the communities that they're in, people know they're they're high achievers. And I think in the book, and tell me if I'm, was it Daniel Pink's research and if I've gotten this wrong, but they're they're 400% more productive than the regular person? Right. Yeah, that's not his research, someone else's research. But yes, high achievers are 400% more productive than the average employee. So while everyone is worried about all those people who are leaving the organization, why aren't we focusing on those who can produce so much and such great things with such creativity and so much innovation? Why don't we put our focus and our energy and our resources towards creating and nurturing and retaining more of those people. And trust me, we have an entire frozen middle of these high potential people who are unfulfilled. They have that potential. Totally. We just need to get it out of them. So we can do that by this reverse engineered process. And I think there's a lot of people who would love that. They want to do more. They just don't know how to do it. And they've been trying all these random things. It's like all these random diets and nothing really worked. This is really now they have in the success factor, they have the blueprint to really work on something, find what it is that they love and really work on it in a methodical way. And really what I wanted to do, because, you know, Michelle, as I said, I am an adult educator by trainer, by training. Yeah. So I know that when I teach these ideas to people, what works for me may not work for you. Yeah. And what works for me today may not work for me next year or when I have a transition. Yes. It could be a new job, a move, a pandemic, whatever it is. Yes. 
So that's why in the success factor, I offer different alternatives that people can choose from. And I even write in the book that the the success factor is really a book that you can put on your nightstand. And whenever you need help with one of the areas, there's a whole buffet of options you can pick from. So it didn't work for you before. It might work now. You haven't tried it before, but maybe now is the time to try it. And these are things that anyone can try at any time. I love it. Well, let's dive in then more into some of the research that you did. Um, Let's talk about the common traits. What do these high achievers have in common? So people might be hearing stuff and think, oh yeah, I've got that. Like I'm who she's talking about. Yes. Well, absolutely. So first of all, everyone has all four of these things. And what we just need to do is cultivate and get it out of you, right? Because everyone has that potential. Everyone. Everyone has that potential. Nobody has to be average if they don't want to be. People I agree with you. Really develop their performance. Yeah. And these are not habits. Okay. Because you cannot copy somebody's habits. I am a morning person. I wake up very early. If you're a night owl, you're not going to start waking up at 5 a.m. and being functional. Just 100%. not going to happen. That's, yeah. Yeah. But you can emulate somebody's mindsets. And that's what this is all about. So the first one is they have found their passion and purpose. They have found the reason that they wake up in the morning and hop out of bed, the reason they can't fall asleep because their mind is working so much. This is what we call their intrinsic motivation, what they do for themselves, what they would do for free if they could. And this is very different from what we call extrinsic motivation, the diplomas, the promotions, the awards, that's, those are other people judging you. Yes. And when other people are judging you, you will either fail out or burn out because that's not sustainable. Yeah. But if you ask anyone who won the Nobel Prize, they never quit doing science because they won the Nobel. If right. anything, they put it into high gear and worked even harder, right? Yeah. So that's why it's because they tapped into their intrinsic motivation. So that's the first one. And and in the success factor, we talk about all kinds of ways that you can do that. The second one is your perseverance. When you love what it is that you're doing, you're going to outwork everyone. And I don't mean that you're going to start working 18-hour days. Yes. I mean, you're going to get into this peak performance mode. You're going to get into what we call a state of flow, where you're so deep in concentration, loving what you do so much you don't realize that time just melts away. You're not hungry. You're not tired. You don't need to go to the bathroom. You're not going to stop. You're super hyper-focused. Yes. You know those times. They yes. don't happen often, but when they do, you've gotten your best work done. Yes. And they also leverage their peak cognitive hours. So for example, I shared that I am a morning person, which means all of my deep focused work is actually done in the morning. You don't want me doing some of those deep thought, (laughs) deep thinking works, the writing, the editing in the evening won't happen. It won't have, it's just not going to be my great, my greatest work. So I do the more passive tasks in the afternoon and evening. So those zooms, the responding to emails, those are the things that don't take such deep concentration. Yes. Those when you're a little more tired, a little slower and save those, those peak hours for the work that requires the greatest focus. Mm-hmm. I always see people who write on their calendar um, deep thinking work and they carve out time and they they 
carve out time in any snippets on their calendar where, where they can have it. And I said to them, how can you just have deep thinking on command? That it doesn't work that way. <laughs> you can't just do that. You have to understand when you are most focused and those make those your, your deep thought hours. Yes. Now, so we did one is the intrinsic motivation. Two is the perseverance. Three is the strong foundation, which is constantly being reinforced. So anything that you did early in your career, you're going to continue doing later in your career. I talked about Kobe Bryant, NBA Mm -hmm. champion. Everybody loved him. He was still up before the sunrise doing those layups. Got it. He didn't stop. Yeah. He didn't slack off. He never. Right. And it was the same things. And you know what? It's the same kind of drills that you would see in any junior high gym. That hasn't changed. Yeah. Same exact work. Mm-hmm. So um, those are part of the skills. In fact, I spoke in the book to Ryan Millar, who's a three-time Olympian and gold medal volleyball player. And he told me that the most important thing in volleyball is not how high you can jump or how you can block. It's ball control. And he said, in order to get ball control, what they do before the big world championships and, and the Olympics is this skill called pepper. And, and you can Google it. It's, it's a way to have ball control and the way you, you pass it to each other. And he said, you know what we did in the, in the Olympics before the Beijing games? And we did, we did that practice, the pepper. He said, I did the same thing in my backyard when I was seven years old. Wow. Same exact drill. They don't stop wow. just because they got to the Olympics. Yeah. You don't hear of the Nobel Prize winners stop writing grants because they won the Nobel with that big check. No, they're still writing. They're still teaching. So that's number three. You need that strong foundation, which you're constantly reinforcing. And the last one is really, I mean, you've heard of Bill Gates and Warren Buffett and Mark Cuban, that they read three to eight hours a day. That's true, but that's not what made them billionaires. What made them billionaires was that they were open to new knowledge. They Mm. were open to learning new things and looking at them in new ways. My mentor once told me there's nothing new under the sun. What's new is how you look at it, which is very true. So they are constantly consuming new information. Now, these billionaires love to read three to eight hours a day. That works for them. That's great. But for the rest of us who may not like to read for three to eight hours a day (laughs) or don't have three to eight hours a day. I'm like, who's got eight hours to read? Anyway, who's that sounds lovely. I love reading, but no. I lo- look, I read 70 to 100 books a year. I love reading. Yeah, I do too. Yeah, not that know, many, I, but I read all the time. Yes. I have a job, so reading eight hours a day is just not no, going to happen. Not realistic, but yeah. What are the other ways that we can learn So, or consume new information? So yes. we could read books. Hopefully people will you know, read the success factor and um, and get something good from that. They can um, listen to podcasts. Hopefully, I'm sharing great information here. That's a way to learn. Watch YouTube videos, read articles, read blogs, talk to people, develop a mentoring team of people around you, people who are senior to you, at your level, junior to you, because you can learn from them so many things. Take online courses, watch webinars. I mean, the possibilities are endless if only you are open to it. Yes. I was curious. I was actually going to ask you about, you know, one of the traits was the fact that they, they continually learn. Do you find that the lifelong learners are learning within their sphere of passion and interests or like more broadly, are they open to, is it a more broad thing? 
They very much are open to it. People usually ask me, which was my favorite interview. And I actually, I, I told the guy this, um, I don't know if it was my favorite, but definitely the most interesting was Apollo Anton Ono. He is the most decorated winter Olympian short track speed skater, won the Mirabal Trophy on Dancing with the Stars. But what made it so fascinating was that he is an Olympian. I'm an adult educator, and we were able to geek out because he read everything he could get his hands on, on flow theory, on positive psychology, on nutrition, on sleep, on anything that would increase his performance. And part of what he was reading was my area of expertise, and we were able to geek out about it. That's what made it so fascinating. That's what made it so interesting. And if you look at all of these extreme high achievers, they really surround themselves very often with people who are different than them. And that's actually um, the former undersecretary of the Navy, Jim Hondo Gertz. He said to me that you have to look at the way other people do things and look at how you can use that information in a new way. That's innovation. And that's what they do all the time. Innovation. I love that you connected it to innovation. And it's funny, I was going to ask you, you know, you would never pick your favorite child, but I was curious <laughs> if there was someone who just made a little, was there, the connection was a little bit more impactful, meaningful personally to you, not because of the data so much, but just you yeah. know, the, the connection. So there, there are a few of them and I can give you from the different categories. I, I definitely mentioned Apollo Ono, um, really fascinating. Um, as was Scott Hamilton, the figure skater. Oh, that's so fun. Because of I what remember he went him. through, right? Yes, With the backflips. Yes, totally. Um, and he's got that energy. He still has that energy. Um, I really also love talking to Dr. Peggy Whitson, who um, is the former NASA chief astronaut. Okay. Spent more days in space than any American astronaut. She was not once, but twice the commander of the International Space Station, first woman commander as well. But I found it fascinating because she had to reapply over 10 years to NASA to be an astronaut before she was finally accepted. And here she is, one of the most decorated astronauts. So when I talk about perseverance, can you imagine? I mean, some of us are rejected once and we lick our wounds for the rest of our lives. Here's someone who kept applying for 10 years, which I found fascinating. The Nobel Prize winners, I love talking to Dr. Bob Lefkowitz. He is one of the most hysterical Nobel Prize winners I have ever met. And he was, all of them were extremely humble in the way they described their stories which I found fascinating. Um, And he has mentored over 200 people. Wow. So he's really thought about this deeply. So all of them, I mean, he was funny. And I kept thinking, what if I got Dr. Bob Lefkowitz, the funny Nobel prize winner together with Dr. Charlie Camarda, the funniest astronaut I have ever met. And I put the two of them in a room together. What would happen? (laughs) One day, one day. I love that. That's so fun. Um, Well, it's making me think you keep mentioning mentorship. So is it something that 
did you discover that these people all had mentors and then naturally mentor others? Is this another one of like the things that you yeah. covered? And not yeah. just one mentor, they had a team of mentors. Yeah. Talk more about this. Cause I think again, you know, mentorship has come up on the show a few times, including with in our last interview. And I think it's something people would love to have, but isn't always yeah. happening. So yeah, please elaborate. Yeah. In fact, and I put the statistic up in front of me, there was a recent study that said 76% of people understand that mentors are critical, but only 37% actually have one. So I've actually written quite a number of articles about this in Harvard Business Review and Forbes. And it's also in the book about these different creative ways to find a mentor even when you've never met the person. You said even at the airport? I wasn't even sure at how the that airport, was happen. <laughs> even at the airport. Um, so there are different creative ways that you can meet people. Um, I think the idea of it has to be someone who's senior to you and uh, more decorated in your field. I think that's that is really a stale definition. The more contemporary definition is definitely a team of mentors and I definitely advocate for three levels. You want people senior to you, you want people at your level, and you want people who are junior to you as well. The senior people are obvious. The junior people are hearing things you may not be aware of. They know how to do things. I mean, I'm talking with one of the Nobel Prize winners who's trying to market his book, and I'm trying to teach him how to do that on social media, which is a completely foreign concept to him. So, you know, here's little old me mentoring a Nobel prize winner on this, which is, you know, mind blowing. Um, but, and there's so, I mean, I tell people I learned how to use Twitter from someone who was one to two generations younger than me, but that's, that's how it started. Um, and then the reason I say that you should have peers is because peers rise together. You are not going to be junior forever. And I always share the story. I call them friends. They're friends who are mentors. So I shared the story of Dr. Lynn Wooten, who is the president of Simmons University in Boston, mm-hmm. and um, Dr. Erica James, who is the dean of Wharton at the University of Pennsylvania, top business school. Yes. The two of them have been best friends and peer mentors since graduate school, since they were in their 20s. Now one is the dean of the top business school, and the other is the president of a university peers rise together and they're on the phone with each other on their way to work about five days a week. It's like the Oprah Gale effect. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. So you really need those kind of people as well. And you can find these people everywhere. And one of the biggest pieces of advice I tell people is do not ask somebody to be your mentor. That sounds like a job. That sounds like an obligation. No one has time for that. Yeah. Instead, ask them for their idea, their perspective, their thoughts. Who doesn't have an opinion? Everyone's got opinions. And you can just ask them for 15 minutes of their time to share it. And then you just start connecting with someone. Yeah. And when you connect with someone, they can start giving you more and more advice. And they are not a mentor until the mentee calls you a mentor. You are not the mentor. You can't give that title to yourself. That is an earned title. And the mentee gives it to you. It's interesting. And it's interesting what you said about don't look at, you know, somebody's younger than you. And sometimes maybe it's someone you hire. I actually had a guest on the show who is 24 and recently connected with him about his expertise. And he's so wise for his young age. You know, it's just so lovely. And I think 
gosh, there's so much I can learn from you because like you talked about with the tech and yeah. algorithm, like just different things that are just totally outside of my realm of, you know, at, at knowledge and just needing to learn about. So I think being open um, and you have your team, you've had a team. Does your che- team change? Does it grow? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Speak more it, to this. Cause I think that's important too. This I is, think it, it like definitely changes. Commitment unless it's somehow, you know, you have that connection. Absolutely. I think it definitely changes over time. As you evolve over time, your needs are going to change over time. Yeah. And I just look at it like an orbit. Certain people are closer to your orbit, but as you start moving up the ranks, you may not need to communicate with them nearly as often, but they're still going to be your go-to people for certain things. And I share the story of um, one of my mentors, Dr. Marie Volpe, who was my doctoral dissertation advisor at Columbia And I have a long commute to work. And every morning on my commute to work, she's an early riser. We would chat on the phone about what I read the night before, what I worked on the night before, whatever it is. And we were on the phone multiple times a week. Now we don't chat nearly as often, but she made me a great writer. And when I worked on the book proposal, for the success factor. Yes. She is the one I reached out to for guidance on it because she has written multiple books and she knows good writing when she sees it. So though I don't interact with her as often, she's still in that in that pool in my orbit of people of yeah. mentors who I go to, but I also have new mentors yeah. at the senior level, the peer and the junior levels. Yeah. And with your peer um, group, I think I know a couple of women within that group and actually have had them on. I think you do. And I would say that what I love about the way you're doing it, and it's also, I feel like I've learned so much just watching how you do it, but there's a lot of uh, support. You really like up-level one another and uh, champion each other. And you can see that. And I think it's a beautiful thing, especially with women. Yes. See absolutely. that with women that, you know, you're building each other up and there isn't this, you know, sort of old school sense of competition or like coming from a place of scarcity. I just love it. No. And, I, you know, and, and that was um, really special to have. And you're, you're talking about Janice Lentz and Dr. Debbie Heiser. Yes. Um, what's so fascinating. And, and, you know, we were close without ever having met before. Um, it was, right? we're, yeah, we're all part of, not in person, um, Got it. Yes. all part of this think tank. Um, Janice and Debbie might've known each other, but I hadn't, um, we're all part of this think tank. And, um, during COVID all the members of the think tank had a zoom, a social zoom on Saturday night. And that's how I really got to know them. We've been meeting every single Saturday night since April, 2020. I love it. Um, and that was started by Dr. Susan Burnstone, who um, just took on the initiative of doing that. And what's great is that the three of us come from very different backgrounds, Yes, work on very different things. But what happens is if we see an opportunity for one of us, we will say, we think this is a great opportunity. Can we nominate you? Can we support you? Can we, yes. whatever needs yes, to happen. Yes. And if they see it and say, I really want to apply, will you back me up on this? We'll say, yes, what do you need? We'll make it happen. So it's a, no questions asked. Now, sometimes there are these big awards that all three of us 
are contenders for. And we say, all three of us are going to put our names in because hopefully one of us will get it. I love that. And if one of us gets it, it can help everybody in the future. Absolutely. Thank you for sharing that story. And yes, and with Dr. with Deborah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We talked about cultivate. It wasn't even in the intention initially when I asked her on, but that's where it went. Yeah. How to cultivate that community because it's so important. And like you're talking about, high achievers all have mentors. Yes. All have it. And they have the team of mentors. They're not going it alone. And I think that's important. And it's interesting because I worked with four CEOs of corporations and who were these high achievers. They all had mentors and they all were mentoring, just like you said, and they were all mentoring. So is that like, again, is that like a nature thing? Like, is that, or do, or they benefited? So they wanted to pass it, pass it on to someone else. So look, I think we all have the ability to mentor. I think people actually do it in different ways. I think women in particular don't always seek it out because we think we need somebody older and wiser and mailer. (laughs) um, And we um, you don't need that. It doesn't need to be, that could be anyone. It doesn't, and it shouldn't just be one person. And I, I think when you're seeking out the perfect person, you're never going to find the perfect person. And that is why I push so hard that you have a mentoring team. So I talked about Dr. Marie Volpe. She helps me with writing. She's the one I go to. I also have a lawyer on my mentoring team. I didn't ask him for his insights on my writing. He's never written anything other than a brief. Right. But if I need help with negotiating, who do you think I'm going to go to? The writer or the lawyer? That's right. So that's why you want that diverse team. You don't have to worry about things being perfect um, because you're never going to find that perfect person, but that team helps you really create that version of perfect for you. And remember, you're not asking anyone to mentor you. You're asking them for their thoughts, their ideas, their, you know, I've had my blinders on, what am I missing? Right. That's not so threatening and start doing that. And then the next step, is you start sponsoring and advocating for other people and do it for others before you ask them to do it for you. And then you'll see it happen. Say more about that. Cause I think that's an important piece of this because it's, it's not a one way when, even if you have a mentor mentor who's giving to you and helping you, it should never be one way. Never. I, I think no matter how junior you are, you can always offer to help and offer something to give before you take. If I can help a Nobel Prize winner market his book, (laughs) (laughs) right? Yes. Then doesn't matter how junior you are, you can actually help someone with something because you have a unique expertise that they might need. You might have, and you don't need to be the world's expert. You just need to know a little bit more than that person and you can help them out. Yes. Um, can you talk about, so you talked about pers- perseverance and and tell me if resiliency isn't also kind of part of that, the ability to bounce back. Like you said, some of us have one rejection and that's it. Yeah. You're yeah. never going to take that risk again. Um, what can we learn? Is there maybe a particular story from the book um, of how maybe we can reframe perceived failures or, you know, uh, disappointments. Cause I think this is, this is a big piece of what holds people back from trying. They think, you know, I'm supposed to get it right, right from the first try. 
Nope. In fact, um, one of the things that we talk about quite a bit in the book is how the high achievers deal with challenges because mm-hmm. we all have challenges. It's how we deal with them. That's the big difference. So yes. the extreme high achievers work to control what they can control. We can't control the pandemic. We can't control all these other external factors, but what we can control is how we deal with it. So for example, all of the athletes who were training for the Olympics had to, the whole, the Olympics were postponed for a year. Of course. Yeah. So what do you do? You can either say, forget it. I've been training for four years. I'm done. Right. Or you can say gyms are closed. I can't meet with my trainer, but what I can do is do some workouts at home, watch what I eat, watch how I sleep. have conversations with my coach, have Zoom, whatever it is. And you know what? That's what they did. That's what they did. And that's why they were able to control what they can control and really work out. It's really about what is the strategy I haven't thought of. They never question if they will overcome the challenge. They know that they will. So instead they focus on how to overcome the challenge. It's not if, it's how. So Mm. think about that for a second, because if you're now focused on the how, what's the strategy Mm. I haven't thought of yet? Powerful, yes. It's now in my control. Yes. It is now in my control. I can now overcome this. I just have to think of the right strategy. And that's how all of them did it. The Olympians, the astronauts, the, the Nobel Prize winners, all of them. And that's what you can too. Absolutely. And you don't have to be like an Elon Musk and figure out how you're going to get to Mars and no. and source materials from there. <laughs> this is like, I'm just thinking of like, when you were talking about that, I was thinking, you know, most of us aren't thinking about leaving the planet. Uh, but some of these billionaires who have, who have eight hours to read a day, maybe, or you know, daydream <laughs> a little bit more can maybe think about that stuff. But, but for our lives, right, we can bring it down. And, and I love that just that how how and sometimes for for me like in prayer i'll be like god how you know what is it i need to know about this how do i get over overcome this it's like once you open it up it's like an invitation yeah, exactly and, and then, it's in your control and then it becomes right you feel more like at peace with it and then it allows you to soften into like the possibility and then well, well what's the next step what do i need to know who do i need to call that kind of that's a right thing. that's um, right i just I, I love that um what so what is your definition of success and has it changed after having these conversations? I, I always say I was the guinea pig. I made myself patient zero. Once I started figuring out these four elements, yes, I really started stripping away the external motivators. And I focused on what I am passionate about and how can I make that happen? And what is the goal and how am I going to get there? And look, I wrote the success factor in the deepest, darkest time of my life. I had just lost my father. We were in the middle of a pandemic Um, and talk about control what you can control. I couldn't control having lost my father. I could not have controlled the pandemic. I could not have controlled being in quarantine five times, but I can control what I do with myself during that time. And I knew very quickly that I was not going to survive this by binge watching Netflix. Just wasn't going to work for me. Yeah. 
I knew I needed to be super busy. I knew I needed my mind to constantly be working because that works for me. Yes. And when the opportunity came to put all of this research and all of this work that I've been working on for years and put it together and write it and write the success factor and bring it to everyone with a bow on it, I had to. I had to do it. And that's why I... This was a gift for me. And it's 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 how I got through the pandemic and through that dark time. It's beautiful. And that's why you're a high achiever too, because you didn't just go, oh, I am going to go binge Netflix. And you know, for those who have done a little of that, that can be therapeutic, no doubt about it. But getting into some action, of that, they're definitely yeah, yeah, not, for sure. But it wasn't Ted every Lasso, day. I mean, come on, that's <laughs> such a great show. Um, but <laughs> I don't know if you've seen it yet. I, I was, haven't seen it yet. It's, okay. It's, I hadn't seen it. And I, I think everyone else had already seen it. It's for sure worth it. It's such a beautifully done show, but um, absolutely. And I think, you know, everything you've talked about today, I mean, we, we have the four common traits, pick up the book, go through the exercises, go through the stories. Like, like you said, Ruth, you know, try different things on based on where you are, where you are today, isn't going to be where you are from a year, but it's within your control. Absolutely. Right. So leave the women listening with, you know, some, some, something inspirational (laughs) from the book about, you know, just take, take that action, like really go for it. Cause this is what this is about. Don't wake up a year from now failing like, gosh, that was a year wasted. Like this is it when it's a new year now. So there's always a little bit of that excitement for, for a new year. I'm going to actually tell you two things. One is my favorite quote in the world, which is they told her, you cannot withstand the storm. Mm -hmm. She told them I am the storm. Ooh, love. Who's that? I don't even know. (laughs) Oh, okay. We'll have to, I'll have to see. I love that. I love it so much. That really goes into control what you can control. I am the storm. There you go. I am the storm. So um, if you have that power to be the storm, what are you going to do with it? And look, I was 43 years old when I decided to go back to school and get my doctorate. And I did that while working full-time and raising a family and having elder care from my parents. But doing that research then, all those years ago, led me to the success factor, to the book, and talking to you and talking and talking to anyone who will listen about improving our success if you want to be more successful by your definition and doing it in a way that actually brings you pleasure and joy instead of pain and sorrow. That's right. And that's what the success factor is all about. Love it. This has been a fantastic conversation. I always love connecting with you. Congrats on your book. It's fantastic and so fun to read. I mean, it's such, it's so fun to get into the stories and to understand mindset um, and knowing that it's also available to you. This isn't, this isn't just look at those high achievers. This is you too can be a high That's achiever. Right. If this is what you desire, this That's is right. available to you. And here's, here's the roadmap to get there that, you know, try some of this stuff on. Um, so where can people find you and the book? Where should I direct them? So I can be found at ruthgotian.com. All my social media is just my name. And if you do get the book, please share a picture of yourself holding the book. I'm getting pictures from all over the world and I love absolutely love it. 
The book is available everywhere, Amazon, Walmart, Barnes & Noble, Target. You can go to ruthgotian.com slash book, and it'll actually tell you places all over the world where you can get the book. And that's so great. And um, it releases officially today is what I don't even know today's date. Today's <laughs> January 5th. Your book officially comes out in the United States. It's been released in Europe. When does it come out here? The 27th? The 25th. The 25th. Okay. So in 20 days, but yes. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know when this interview will be out. So it will be available <laughs> by the time this interview comes out, the book will be available everywhere. So um, congrats on the success of this book. And what's next for you? What's the next? Have you thought uh, look, about it? Uh, I am actually thinking about two other books. <laughs> there you go. I knew there was something. You're a high achiever. There's got to be something going on, right? We're always working on the on the next thing, but um, we'll we'll see where it where it takes us. Right now, I'm here to teach success to anybody who wants it. I love it. Well, thanks so much. It was so great to be with you today. Likewise, thank you. Thanks so much for tuning in today. I hope you gained some new information or inspiration for your life. That is that the essence of this show is to really wake up to what's possible for you to reclaim your beautiful voice and to really learn to love and prioritize yourself. So if you gained any value from any of the conversations you've tuned into, make sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast player. You can do that right now on your phone. And please do consider leaving a rating and review if you have yet to do so on Apple Podcasts. It's actually how more women can find the show. And I really want to grow a community of women who are loving themselves and living full on. So thank you as always for tuning in. And I look forward to reconnecting with you next Wednesday. Bye for now.